Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. And hey there, everybody. Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. And I'm sitting here in the studio today, surrounded by phenomenal talent and Ron Robbins and Al Waltz. <laughs> I wondered yeah. where you were going with that, Jay. But, uh... Phenomenal talent. That's what this is. Huh? Yeah, all right. And we have Lyle Wood from Wood Farms on the phone with us. Uh, how you doing, Lyle? Doing great. Doing great, Jay. Good. Good to have you on, and uh, appreciate you putting up with uh, the three of us here uh, yep. c- coming on the podcast. But before we get to you, Lyle, you know, Ron. You know, we brought Al up to a level of fame as co-host on this podcast, Jay Madison's Rural America. And you want to know what he did the minute we did that? No, I I can only imagine, but go ahead. Let's disclose it. He went over and was on Jeff Graham's podcast with Jeff. Oh, my God. I'm in demand. What can I say? Jeez, we make him famous and he bails on us. I didn't volunteer to go. Jeff begged me. (laughs) You know, he doesn't beg me to go. What What does that tell you? Yeah, yeah, there's there's an issue. Hey, what is the name of his podcast anyways? Uh, Mayor Graham's View is his is his blog, and I okay. think that's what he calls his webcam, or, yeah, podcast, podcast whatever, whatever it is. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I'm not sure. I, I don't recall. All I do know is that I hold the uh, record for most listens among his guests. Oh, really? Yeah, how about wow. that? Huh? Wow. Well, see, and, there you go. And I mentioned you do, during it. Hey, there we go. All you right? mentioned us. Hey, so we like that. Hard time. So. I didn't have to help you. <laughs> Well, you know, it was all the training we provided that got all of those listens there on Jeff's uh, podcast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for giving us the, the mention there, Al. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're glad to have you back here as a regular co-host. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, very that was much a special so. guest star bit. Is what that oh, I was. bet. Yeah. I bet. And uh, I'm not sure what we've got going on with Lyle. Lyle, are you, are you out working on the farm or something? Yep. Yep, I sure am. I'm out at the farm today. They're uh, actually changing a couple uh, water valves we are. Yeah, because I, I kept hearing some noise in the background. I'm like, what in the heck is Lyle doing? <laughs> you know, you, you, so you're not going to slow down. You're going to keep working, even during a podcast. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Well, that's yep. all right. That's all right. Yep. We, you know, we certainly understand. So, Lyle, tell us a little bit about Wood Farm. You're you're up there, right across from uh, what is it, Thousand Islands High School? Yep, we're right up across from Thousand Islands High School. The start farm was started in 1945 by my grandfather Henry with 13 cows, and today we milk approximately 1,250 cows and farm around 5,300 acres. We do 20. 400 acres of corn, 1,200 of soybeans, and the rest is uh, alfalfa grass, hay ground. And then I'm in partnership right now with my um, cousin, Scott Borsey, Uh and we both run the 
farm on a day-to-day basis along with my daughter Hannah's here, my son Harrison, Scotty's son Colin, and then we have some key people, JR and Daryl, and a lot of other good people working for us. So you said you're milking 1,200 cows, and by Jefferson yep. County standards, that's that's a pretty large farm. Yep, it is. It is. It's you know, it's it's the size for us that you know we need to be, and uh, you know the way the milk prices yo-yos up and down, it's a it's a matter of uh, you know you buy a new tractor and it costs a lot of money. It's a lot easier to justify that over 1,200 cows than it is over 500 for us, anyways. You know, but I think the important thing to take away from that is you said you milked 1,200 cows and you talked about all of your family members that are involved in the operation. So you're a family farm. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yeah, that, yep. that's important to to know that, uh, yep. you know, our farms, our dairy farms here in Jefferson County and northern New York, for that matter, are family-owned operations, just like North Harbor Dairy. That's correct, yes. Jay. And Lyle, uh, your milk goes to where our milk goes we ship through dfa and we go through hb hood mm-hmm. and some milk goes down to great lakes and uh adams very good so for our listeners that don't know hp hood makes sour cream uh yogurt regular yogurt and yep, cottage cheese and cottage cheese some of some of the best cottage i like cottage all their cheese. products but their cottage so cheese is just yep. phenomenal and then if, if your milk goes to great lakes cheese you're making uh the world's Jeez. best naturally aged cheddar cheese. So that's just awesome. Delish. Yep. It yeah. is. It is yeah. the least. I really thought stuff. we'd have some here, one of these podcasts. But uh, um. so all we do is talk about North Country food, and we never get any. <laughs> but hmm. uh, you know, we're really fortunate, Jay, to have some some stellar processing companies represented here in Jefferson County, and yeah. And, uh, and great dairy farmers. Yeah, and well, that's why they're here. Uh, exactly. We got great farms and great milk, great tasting milk. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so uh, with Lyle on the phone, and I think this might very well be the first time, Lyle, I've had you either on my radio show from the past or the podcast. I don't remember if it I It is. Ever. No, it's the first time. So welcome. Welcome aboard, yeah, and God you. bless you. Yes. Thank you. So, gentlemen, and Lyle, you in particular, because we hear from Ron all the time. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when we take a look at the dairy industry right now, and, and let's just, gentlemen, Let's just put aside the war in Russia, the the war with Russia, I should say, uh, for the moment. Uh, What's going on out there in the dairy industry? How's how's your farm doing as far as how things are going out there? Uh, We're doing better than at most times. I mean, the cost of everything is up. The the fertilizer is more than doubled to put on all the corn crops this year and to, to put on the hay crops and the um seed and everything else has gone up a lo- but along with that the milk price has also gone up and it's been tougher to get parts for anything or if you want to fix something or you want something somebody to come do something for you they're usually a few months out so that's been a lot tougher than most years but besides that i mean it's the milk is short and they have uh we have a base program in place now at DFA, most like every other co-op. And um, I think between that and the, the cow numbers in the United States, everything is, um, milk has really gotten short. Now, what do you mean for our listeners that uh, aren't involved in agriculture? What do you mean when you say milk is short? So milk is short. Milk is, because the last um, few years we have, you know, we've leveled off of, of usually they carry more cold storage of cheese inventory, and more inventory of butter. Well, the consumption of butter since the COVID has gotten done, 
Um, more people are they're they're going through a lot more butter, and processors don't have enough milk to make more butter. So, and we've been shipping. I think our exports are up like 16 percent over last year. And besides that, cow numbers are also down. So all over the United States, all the cow numbers are down. And what that means is like Europe's implementing a green program, so they don't want any more cows over there. So they're going to import some more, you know, dairy products and export less products. So it's good for the United States. Yeah, we'll take so that's that. That's what I mean when milk production is down. Okay, so the supply, the the production of milk is down. Flat. Yeah. Yeah. And demand has increased in some areas. How about fluid milk? Fluid milk consumption is down overall but the flavored milks like chocolate milk and the the flavored milks across the board are all up in oh. demand okay so, i didn't realize I mean, that oh yep overall fluid i think is down like one or two percent one and a half percent year over year but chocolate milk is like 12 percent up and uh there's a couple other flavored milks in there that are up huh. yeah yeah and we uh there's a big push right now to uh, try to get the mayor in New York City, Mayor Adams, to uh, <laughs> rethink his ridiculous uh, um, rules, uh, you know, get some flavored milk back in these schools and regain a, a generation of milk drinkers that we've lost since the, you know, in the last 10 or 15 years since they, they went to only white skim in the schools and yeah that was just that was the worst stupidest possible thing they could I, do i think you guys are being awfully rough on the mayor you know, he's only looking out for the children <laughs> he knows what's yeah. best come on uh, yeah yep. thanks thanks Adam. Yep. you know i think instead of what is it vegan fridays he's doing oh yeah yeah you know i think it's gonna be started yeah okay oh. All right, if you want to have vegan Fridays, let's have Milk It Monday. Yeah. yeah. You know, let's yeah. we're going to create a hashtag, Milk It Monday for the New York yep. City schools. Well, you know, the yeah. worst the worst part of that is is that, you know, a lot of kids, the only real food they get is what they get at school. True, right. And right. Uh, and in your inner cities, that's especially true. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's really sad that, you know, we've I guess we were the easy target, I guess, right? Yeah. Dairy farmers. But yep. I will say, uh, you know, we were at the state high school basketball championships in Glens Falls last weekend, and uh, chocolate milk was center stage at the, at the basketball Final Four. Uh, really? Yeah. Yep. They, uh, they sponsored the uh, – they were the uh, marquee sponsor of uh, the state Final Four, and uh, it, was, it was really impressive. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. That is yeah, it fantastic. Is. Yep. Yep. Now we uh, and we'll we'll get to you in a second again, Al. We get off on these tangents all the time. It happens. Yeah. I, I, I just got to mention. You know, you talk about the basketball game with uh, chocolate milk being center stage at uh, the June eighteenth. Yeah, June eighteenth, uh, Watertown Rapids baseball game. That's going to be Ag Appreciation Day. Before the game starts, we've we've been working with American Dairy Association Northeast. And the NFL's Fuel Up to Play 60 program. And they're coming in. They're bringing in their, their big thing they did do for kids, uh, the Fuel Up to Play 60. And that is going, I mean, that's all about dairy. Milk is the marquee yeah. for yep. that day. So, yep. nice. 
Yeah, so we're pretty excited about that. So uh, we're going to, HP Hood is sponsoring it. Uh, uh, Great Lakes Cheese is sponsoring it. So, you know, both of the uh, dairy plants that you guys ship milk mm-hmm. to, uh, they're involved in this. So we're pretty excited about it. Um, so uh, what else about dairy in general? Ron, uh, Lyle, what have we missed talking about before we turn to uh, the DFA conference? Well, um, I, you know, I, I'll just add that I think it's a, it's a real interesting time, of course, in, in, you know, markets in general here. And we've talked about that on previous podcasts. But, you know, we could we could easily see this be kind of a new paradigm for dairy. We, uh, you know, a new plateau in prices going forward. We're seeing a lot of things go on around the world. And Lyle mentioned, you know, the green movement in Europe. And, you know, in, in 2015, they took their quota off over there, basically freed up their farms to produce as much milk as they could. And then immediately shut them right down with a green movement. See, I didn't realize that they had closed down. They're not. They're not going to have. They're. They're not going to allow farms to bring in more farm or more cows. That's correct. They basically, you know, they're they're putting so many restrictions on farms over there that it's not just adding cows. They're they basically can't even produce the feed to feed the cows. So. You know, you couple that with weather issues and other things around the world, and, and you know, we're in a good spot, I think. Lyle, what do you see? I mean, you know, with I, that and other other things that are happening. I think if it was New Zealand, I might get it. They're going to cut their, they're telling us down to the conference that they're going to cut their herd by like 500,000 cows because they want green new space. They want to plant trees and stuff. So they want the cows to be off. So they, they're paying their dairy farmers to get out. So they're also going to be less cows. Australia is the same way. So I think United States is going to, you know, that we're already a leader and I think it's going to continue that way. And I, I, I don't see us adding a lot of cows because just, just there's just not the, not the people out there that want to do it anymore. Like Ron and I, and you know, other people in the North country, it's just one of them businesses that you're either in and you love to do or you don't. You know, what I, what I don't understand is, you know, I'm constantly out there talking to college groups and stuff like that about, you know, right now we're at 7 billion people here in the world. By the year 2050, we're going to be up at 9 billion people. Yeah. That's 9 billion more or 2 billion more mouths to feed than we have today. And, yeah. you know, dairy is one of the most efficient uh uh, most nutrition-packed foods you can consume. And yes. so if you're going to feed 2 billion more people, it would seem like you'd want to you know, maintain or grow your dairy industry. You know what's sad is that uh, in probably 200 years since the start of the Industrial Revolution, this planet is cleaner and greener than it has been since the start of that revolution. And But it's never clean and green enough in, uh, <laughs> for any for any of these greenies. It's, it's yep. sad, and they have the control. Yep. Nobody will stand up to them. We are. Well, we are. (laughs) The four of us right now. (laughs) Well, no, Al makes a great point that, you know, and you make a great point, Jay. We've We've got a challenge here to feed the world, and there's only so much land. Right. And we continue to cover land with buildings and blacktop, and we continue to take land out of production for various green activities. Uh, limit it, limit the ability to improve the land to be more productive, 
And we've kind of reached the technological plateau, too. Now, that doesn't say we won't move into a new era of technology, but we've kind of reached a plateau right now. So there's going to be a real challenge to do this based on where our policies are headed here currently. Yeah. And, you know, to, to give a little plug for our upcoming conference we're having here in Jefferson County, on uh, April 8th, we're having the Jefferson County Ag Development Conference. And, and one of the things we're, we're talking about is adapting to change. And for us, it's trying to help people take a look at the future of agriculture and the opportunities and be prepared for it. Uh, we've got Kathy Young, former senator, uh, New York State Center. She's now the executive director for the Center for Food and Agriculture at Cornell Agritech. She's going to be talking about what they're doing to try and support agriculture across the state. And then we have uh, Jennifer Coleman, who's the director of communications for Ag, our Aimpoint Research. She's coming in to do a program called Farmers of the Future, which I think is going to be very thought-provoking and it's going to challenge people to look at themselves as farmers or to look at at what future farmers will look like from you know my perspective the agribusiness perspective i think it's going to be a very interesting thought provoking and maybe even challenging uh presentation that's going to be uh uh, uh april 8th uh just go to agricultureevents.com that's agricultureevents.com that's the website you can register and it's free it's a, going to be a great program which i i, I guess brings up uh, Lyle, you were just at a conference out in uh, Kansas City, correct? Yep. Yes, I was. So we, uh, uh, Lyle had to carry the water. Uh, I wasn't <laughs> able to go thanks to Delta Airlines. And you got grounded. Yeah, I got grounded yeah. on Sunday. I, I started out thinking that I was leaving. My flight was 24 hours before I needed to be there. And I was at the airport two hours before my flight was due to leave. And I still didn't make it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I just yeah. think he's not telling us the truth. I think he's on the no-fly list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what What was the conference? What was that all about? So it's a conference for uh, all the – any members that, you know, you got to be a delegate or whatever, get invited. A member of DFA, which is over 12,000 members. And in the Northeast, there's uh, 2,598 members in the Northeast that make up, which is the biggest um, section of DFA for, for through the Mideast, Southwest, any of them. And uh, there was, I think they said, between twelve and 1,500 people there. And wow. we were introduced to Desert, uh, Dennis Rodenbaugh. He's our new CEO. He takes over at the end of the year for Rick Smith, who's been doing it for 37 years. Wow. I think what, uh, 14 or 18 he has with DFA. And uh, just very interesting. They said uh, uh, the woman talked from Rabobank, the head of Rabobank, and she said, um, we're going to see these milk prices for the next 18 months. She said, even with the world uncertainty, she said, because there's such a demand for dairy. And I did not realize this. Ron's been to the meetings before, but I never have. The diversity of the different people that you meet. Like I met a gentleman from Texas who milks uh, 37,000 cows. He come over as an immigrant. He ships 50 trailer loads a day. I mean, you meet guys like that who's a member of DFA, and then you meet people that milk, you know, there's Amish here that milk 40 cows. So there's a real diversity. It's not big versus small. And I think the biggest thing I got out of the meeting was communication. It's been three years since they've had a meeting, and people are kind of, you know, you hear stuff in the news, and it's not necessarily true. 
And I think the biggest thing people are missing is communication and, and the talking face to face and not over a zoom call or something. Yeah. And that was, from, that was my biggest disappointment of not going there hadn't because of COVID there hadn't been an annual meeting and, in the no. last two years, and I'd always, it's kind of a look forward to going basically for the networking yes. and meeting that diversity of people that Lyle talks about and, you know, spending some time uh, talking about your, you know, what's going on in your area of the country versus what's going on in another yes. area. And, and, and in reality, wouldn't you say, Lyle, that we all have a lot of the same problems regardless we do. whether you're we do. Doesn't southwest matter or the northeast. So. Nope, we all have a lot of the same problems, and it's uh, it was interesting. I had a, like a forty-five minute conversation with Dennis. I won't tell you about all of it because it's not suitable <laughs> for the air. But uh, he seems to be a guy that's uh, Rick always put us in the right direction, and Dennis he's been with DFA for fourteen years, and uh, he seems to be a guy that wants to put us in the the next next level, you know, with co-ops, and uh, we are well positioned as a co-op money wise and stuff. Even after spending the money at the acquire the forty-four Dean food plants. And you want to talk about an interesting tidbit just to get out of the meeting and all the stuff you heard and you listen to. But Rick was telling they had to shut down two plants. One was in Nashville, Tennessee. It was an ice cream plant. And he said uh, they had a number on that plant at $6 million. And they owned the parking lot next door in the building. Well, come to find out, they shut it down. The southeast guys weren't real happy. The, mile, the milk went like three miles down the road. That building alone, the parking lot that that building sat with because it was downtown Nashville, was worth $10 million And the building was like $15 million. So having put a six million dollar number on that piece of property he said that's just how things seem to be going lately for dfa with you know moving forward and things huh and now i i just gotta mention lyle something that ron told me about you and your relationship to dfa that you're you're special uh with yeah. dfa <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're special all right yeah i am yeah. <laughs> I've always been the same guy. Wear it right on my sleeve. I'll tell you exactly what I think. I might not like it, but it's, it's the way I am. So, so that special de- designation you have now is what? Uh, I'm a I'm a director for District Seven. Okay, so do you, you're one of the covers board of directors. Ron areas covers uh, Adams, uh, part of Lowville. Uh, I'm not even sure the whole area just yet because they've never really showed me a map. You know, <laughs> so and I'm I took I went to my first board meeting in December. And then we had one in June. We had nine members get off the boards. I do believe we're down to a 16-member board, probably going to be 15 by next year because another district's combining. And just uh, a lot of knowledge when you go to them meetings. And um, when you go to them, you got to put on your DFA hat and not get down in the weeds about stuff because we have a lot of good people working for us. Yeah. So uh, what do you think um... – what do you think is the most important issue that uh, Dairy Farmers of America, DFA, has to look at here for the future of dairy farming? Uh, I think it's innovation with developing new products because people always want new things. And I think it's uh, public perception of dairy farms and people and farms and what they think of a dairy farmer and what they're eating. And, you know, you got people from PETA and everybody else with the cows and you can't kill a cow, you know. And you're, you're robbing them the baby's milk and things like that. So I think between innovation and uh, communication and public perception, I think, are a few of the biggest things that we're going to face over the next, like, by 2030, we've got to be, we've got to have every farm a gold standard, which means you, and then that gets reviewed by a third party. So somebody comes in and checks how you document things, how you treat your animals, how you treat your employees, how you do everything. And then you get a third party comes in and says, 
well, you know, you know, because we are stewards of the land, you know. Right, right. So that gold standard, can you explain that just a little bit? What does what does that refer to? The gold standard would be so we have uh, we have manufacturers like people like uh, in, in grocery chains like a Walmart and like a Ben and Jerry's and, and I'll tell you Ben and Jerry's is the worst. They, they, <laughs> I mean not the worst ice cream, but they just they're they're the most you know people are demanding about they you know they don't want your cow's tail docked, which we don't do that anymore. You know they want they want to know what you feed the calves. You know which when you send cows to sale, who you have working for you. You know are they all good people? How do you house the People that if you do have people in housing working for you, how do you treat cows when they are sick? Do you keep a record of their drugs and how long do you keep it for? And and what protocols do you have in place for the milking parlor as you're looking at a cow and they're coming in? And, you know, if you do get a sick cow or you do this, do get this, you know, down cow, how do you treat that cow? And how do you go about, you know, fixing that cow or doing something with that cow? And that's what they want to know. They want to know what's going on in the farm every day. It makes sure everything's up to snuff and passes a smell test. Yeah, really, the gold standard really is involves around some key areas of employee well-being, yep. environmental stewardship, animal yep. care, uh, animal husbandry, and uh, you know, and then basic you know basic protocols of running your operation. So yes, it uh, and you know the the hard part is is that dairy. Dairy farmers, farmers in general, have a great story to tell. Absolutely. And we do a, probably a really poor job of telling it, and we let a lot of people tell it for us that we shouldn't, and we got to get past that. And I was mm-hmm. I was at a meeting last week, actually, where uh, the new CEO of, of Farm Credit made a comment in regards to that and said, you know what, we got to make sure we're pushing back on some of this stuff because we do have a great story to tell and we can't let other people tell it for us. I've been surrounded all my life by farmers, my my grandparents, uh, just wonderful, wonderful people. I've never met an evil farmer in my life. I don't think one exists. I've never come across anybody like that. But... <laughs> To, to hear some of these people talk, you, you, you would oh, think yeah. they're all evil. Yeah, yeah. It's nope. not the case. Yeah. The most nope. caring people on earth are farmers. Yeah. They care about the animals they raise. They do. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I, and I agree with, with what you said, Lyle, and what you said, Ron. Uh, number one, uh, you know, we have to do a better job of telling our own story uh, because other people, like Al is saying, are telling it for us. So, you know, that's, we have to do a much better job uh, at that. Now uh, I want to, we're getting, we're starting to run out of time here, Lyle. Uh, You know, taking a look, we, we talked about it, you know, at the, you know, 60,000 foot level across the nation and so on, but focusing back here on New York and, and Northern New York, Lyle, what do you think are is the challenge or the opportunity for dairy when you bring it down to our level here here in northern New York? Uh, I think the challenge is like Rob said, Ron said earlier is, is um or he didn't say you got I think you got for the for us in northern New York I think you have to do a better job maybe diversify a little bit uh, try to get the most bang for your buck you know maybe you know uh, do some of your own you know high moisture corn or. Do, do some other things. I, I think 
uh, just trying to do a better job with yourself and your dairy farm and try to do the best you can. Like if you got a little higher some XL, get a better some XL, which is a cell count on a cow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is what I is what I think. Yeah, what would you? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think we certainly have a lot of advantages being here. We have we do. You know, good water. We have relatively favorable climate. We 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 have a lot of microclimates here. We can raise good crops. We can make quality milk, but we also you know we have smaller field sizes. We're competing against the Panhandle of Texas and and the plains of South Dakota where they're building. You know these guys like. Lyle said he met milking thirty five thousand cows. So, you know, hey, if we can, if we can dig in and do a little better job on milk quality, a little better production per cow, just watch the bottom line. It's all about what you put in your pocket at the end of the day, and really capitalize on our diversity here. Like yeah. Lyle said, I mean that's that's a, a real key. So, you know, now you know we got our labor issues and other things that. The great state of New York is uh, is making it a lot harder for us, but uh, you know we've overcome before. We'll overcome again. I have one question for each of you, gentlemen. I'm wondering how in the world do you uh, deal with this price of fertilizer this year? Do you fertilize less, or do you bite the bullet and pay these exorbitant prices? How do you deal with that? A friend of mine told me 10 years ago, he said, you want to know something about fertilizer? Because I wasn't going to put about as much on it. He said, you reap what you sow. So if you don't want to put as much fertilizer on, you're not going to get a good crop. You're going to have to go cover more acres. So with the milk price being up a touch, I mean, any money you got coming in between diesel fuel and fertilizer, it's going to go right back out the door. But there's so many limited acres that you're already putting crops on. And if you don't do the best job you can, yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to be awful. Fertilizer and, fertilizer and spray are going to be more than double. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's really heart wrenching. You know, we've been bringing in fertilizer this week and, and, you know, $30,000 for a tractor trailer load of fertilizer. That would have cost yeah. you what last year? 10. Jeez. Unbelievable. And what's, a what's a load of corn going out, Ron? Load of, well, I said the other day, it takes four loads of corn, tractor trailer loads of corn going to the mill to pay for one load of fertilizer. Wow. Yep. Amazing. So it's uh, those are unbelievable numbers, and you know, hey, uh, I mean, I've made it kind of public. I mean, we we crunched the numbers to do the exact same thing this year that we did last year, not make any changes, same amount of acres, same amount of nutrients applied per acre, doing the best job we can with the latest technology. We're going to spend a million dollars more this year than last year. Wow. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's just crazy. That's it just is. crazy. Yeah, and and then you gentlemen also have to go to the grocery store as well. You guys get yeah. bit by the same terrible prices yeah. we all do and at that, the grocery store. I'll tell you, that's the real hard part, you know. And we, I spent a couple months in Florida this winter, and and uh, I take on the responsibility there of shopping and cooking, actually. But uh, <laughs> um, I was like, you got to be kidding me! You want. I saw you the know, price of eggs double in like yeah. two weeks. I mean, two boneless chicken breasts, you know, uh, nineteen dollars. And uh, you know, I'm like, this got to be a golden chicken here, right? Yeah. For some old lady, yeah, and it wasn't golden. I don't know. Wow. Holy cow, that's just crazy. 
Well, gentlemen, we need to wrap up for today. Uh, Lyle, really appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. Uh, yep, it, thank you. Appreciate it's it. been fantastic. And uh, uh, Ron and Al, as always, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome, Jay. Thank we you. It's been a pleasure. Anytime, to Jay. It. All yep. right. So, folks, that's a wrap for today. And we hope you'll join us next week right here on Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for Thank tuning you. in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315 782 5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.